today's episode, Dave interviews actor Jim Ortlieb. Jim has appeared on Grey's Anatomy, Six Feet Under, Magnolia, and numerous productions on Broadway. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Uh, we're at a point right now, this is what I, what I think, I think we're at a point right now where, this might, might be my leftiness, where I think that people are ready for changes. Boy, I Like spiritually. Like Something's happening. And maybe it's the circle of friends that I have, or the circle of people that I work with, um, but something's happening. Do you feel that, or no? Wow, I don't know at all. You don't know at all. I am so aware of, of political and economic and, and uh, base, baser human issues. Right, when you say base, right do you mean? I mean war. And violence uh-huh, and right, revenge right. Mm-hmm. and meanness, general meanness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that seems to be out there. That boy, I I I would certainly welcome the idea of spiritual awakening and and almost you know a, a, an understanding that there is something greater uh, for many people. But I I'm I'm, con- I, I'm I'd be concerned that the people you're, the the feeling that you're getting mm-hmm. is that. It's not those people who need it. <laughs> well, yeah, but, the, but but there's also the idea of um, be the change that you want to see in others, that sort oh, of thing. Yeah. You know, and then there's also that which I do, which is go around, and certainly this podcast helps as well. Um, make people aware that you can become aware. Yes. Make people mindful that you can become mindful. Yes. And right now, um, I've got a gig for a corporation that I'm going to be doing that I just got yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and I go, but if I can, I'm working with vice presidents of a particular corporation. Um, And the woman that hired me hired me because she wants me to work with these guys on listening Mm -hmm. and passion. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that, if we can make it so that one person who deals with other people is listening on a level that they've never listened before, then I think that that's all that matters. Because the douchebags, you're not going to get through to those fuckers. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's what they say. That's what we say in the theater. Right? If you, you're, there's one person out there who's going to see this that's going to make a difference, that is what you are doing it for. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And we all have high hopes. We're not grand intellects, but we in the theater are thinkers, right. generally, and seekers. And we seek out the deepest and most profound idea in a script or a story mm-hmm. or a skit, right. if you will, right. or a song, and attempt to aim at it. And, and as Shakespeare said, the censure of the which one must, in your allowance, overwhelm a whole theater of others is the one you're aiming for. Right. Right, yeah. right, right. And we're also, it's, uh, what, you, what you didn't say in there, and yet I know that you mean that as well, we're, we're also disseminators of that message. Yes. We're the because we're, we're the conduit for that. And yet I also believe that anybody can be that conduit. You know, yeah. anybody that's awake can be that conduit. It doesn't have to be an actor. Yes. It can be anybody that's awake. Yes. Um, Look at all the, the cat videos on, online. Cool. That but are I think awakening people. I think that there is something to that where if we're bringing, if we're bringing a sense of love to people, and whatever that is, if it's a fucking cat video or if it's something else, we're bringing that to somebody. I feel like 
We've done something. Yeah. And I'm not going to knock a fucking cat video because I like them every once in a while. Yeah, I'm allergic. I can't Oh, to the videos? Yeah, yeah. You might want to just see a cat. <laughs> I mean, a regular cat. That's weird. That is weird. <laughs> a cat, a cat video makes somebody allergic. I mean, can it cause an allergic reaction? That must be a psychological thing. That <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the allergy itself, I think, excuse me, <clears throat> but uh, but is is definitely real. Oh, no, I get Although that. my wife, when we first moved in together, would have said otherwise. She had two kids. And no, no, no more? No more. Was it no. either, but did they die or did you get rid of them? No, we we did, we drove one to San Francisco, just dropped it off. Oh, no, that's a good no, idea. It was, it was a friend. You know, <laughs> we dropped it off at Cindy Cabanera's brother's house. Uh-huh. John? And, uh, no. Um, the other one. The other one. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. And uh, the other one stayed with us for f three years in Chicago. And I lived with that cat for three years. Now, Harriet was the cat's name. And I didn't mind really living with Harriet. And I think Harriet didn't mind living with me to a certain extent. Right. But I did have my limitations. I couldn't really breathe. Right. Right. I have a friend who got a cat who can't breathe, who has asthma. She got two cats, and then she moved to uh, essentially the off ramp of the Hollywood freeway. Um, and I'm going, what the, what the fuck are you doing? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? People do it. There's a passion that they have, and they're blinded by it. And there you go. I saw a little puppy video today where the you know, puppy, puppy, I guess they have a water syndrome or or drowning syndrome where they can't walk, their, their limbs become splayed when they're born. Uh -huh. Usually they get rid of those dogs, but you know, the whole video is about training the dog and now the dog's all better. It's quite sweet, you know, you're in tears it by is. the end of it. I know. I think, I, I think somebody posted that. It's amazing what a waste of time those things are. <laughs> what an amazing waste of time. Yeah. And you're on the road a lot. You're on the road a lot now. Well, over the past six, seven years, I have been on the road a lot, actually. Uh, I've been doing a lot of theater. That's so awesome, Jim. Yeah. That's you really know, great. I, I think that I, I would love, I guess, to really be totally interested not that I'm not I love the the, uh, the paycheck of, of doing film and television but I, and I've got a face that is perfect for this show because it's a podcast <laughs> you know and, and that may be the reason why I'm not as interested because uh, my jowls just seem to sink just a little bit too low I, th I think you HD. may you may you, I, I think you're, you, I, I also believe that your time is here your time has been here yeah. but I also believe that your time will be here as well because as you get older and you get jollier you can play that guy that's exactly right and I and we know this we're right. going to be around for a long time as yes. character actors yes so uh, but back then I I Back then when? I, I, and this was 2006. Mm -hmm. I auditioned for a theater piece here in, in Los Angeles. And I had a friend who, you know, things were not easy then. You know, things were a little uh, tight for a lot of people in 2007. That mm -hmm. was before the crash of 08. Right. And this friend said, what are you doing auditioning for theater? And it was a show that was going to be down at La Jolla, La Jolla Playhouse. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, well... It was a good piece, and it was written by someone good, and, and directed by somebody good, and so I did the play for a couple of months, and right. then we stopped it, and it was a workshop, a brand new production, and then we took a good five months off, uh, in the middle of which uh, I was offered that show again to go to Broadway. Mm -hmm. So, 
in some way, that was the payoff of... of uh, but you didn't doubt that. But, but the thing is, like, you didn't doubt it. The only time you doubted it, you might have doubted it. Well, you might have had a moment of doubt going, what's this about? But the, the moment that somebody comes in and says, what are you doing? Yeah. That's where my foundation isn't shaken, but it's sort of... I, I, there's so many things that come at me when someone says, yeah. why are you doing that? Or someone says, why are you more famous? And I go, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a little wacky. It's wacky because, or, or why aren't you more successful, or why aren't you more famous, and that sort of thing, Burn. I look at what it is that I have right now, and um, granted, I've got bills, and I've got, you know, I've got, I'm just like everybody else, I have, I have credit, uh, you know, sure. I, I owe money, and those sort of things, but I also look at the life that I live, and I think... I am, I am in service to this universe. I know that's a crazy thing to say, but I'm in service to this universe because I am unfolding and furling and evolving as this artist that I am right now. Yes. Well, that's the other part of it. I mean, part of what has guided us and thrown us into this work are, are, is the difficulty in, and or mundanity of living this life that right. can be dull, Mundane, as I've said, or right. or or just overwhelming. So in what way overwhelming? Overwhelming, but as you say, the credit, the bills, right. whatever that. Right, 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 right. Um, the living of the life. Yes, the living of the life. Even the right. raising two children. I have two daughters. Yes, you are, do. And college? No, no, not quite. High schooly. Yes, mid high school. Sixteen and fourteen. Right. Uh, a soon to be freshman and uh, soon to be junior. Right. Which is sort of astonishing. When you knew them, they were barely as high as uh, I know. the arm of this chair. Running around, 4th of That's July, right. in, in South Pass or Pasadena. Or That's like absolutely that, you know? right, yeah. And, and but, yes. but that, that living that aspect of the life, too. But you're also, you're also in service in that way, too. I'm very much in the concept of being in service. Yes. And because you're a model for your kids, and you are, you're also a model for those of us who, who are... Who, who are still doing this artistic thing. Yes. We're still aware of this. Yes, and so, I feel very lucky to still be doing this. I do feel driven to the point where I will give up almost everything else in order to stay there. There being there. In the work. Uh-huh. In the work, in the moment of the work. Right. Because uh, I... Stay there I in the moment of the work at the moment that you're working. That's right. Okay. And to get to the place where I'm working. Right. Because I adore working. Hiatus is a very bad word. I understand. Also. I don't like it very much. Right. And so, uh, and, and so all of those pressures throw you into a moment. Or you can be in that moment and let those pressures dangle around you wherever they want That's be. so awesome. Absolutely. I mean, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Isn't that the way it should be? It's the way that it could be. And I think yeah. that a lot of people don't realize that because they say, people say things to me, because when I say that same thing, and I love that the, the concept of I'm standing here and all these things are dangling around me, and I choose to grab onto a dangle, or I choose to just go, oh, look, they're dangling. Yes. You know, to say right now yes. to go, Oh, you know what? I got X amount of uh, thousands of dollars, not that much, yeah. that I owed a visa. Yeah. And I go, okay, it'll take, it'll take, it'll get taken care of. That's right. And me going, what the fuck? How come I'm not working? <laughs> that is the worst that you can do because it doesn't allow you to enter into that moment that allows you to get the job that gets you to the moment. That's exactly right. You may imagine, imagine those pressures and dangles all around you and going in to sit in an audition in a small room with five people watching you. Right. The pressures of that demand that you sit in with your devils, with your demons, and create 
Right. Wow. Wow. Who does that? Right. Who, who does what we do? Right, right. The and priests, like, priests, I think, deal with societal evils and problems and murders and, past, and parishioners who are huge problems on their table, and yet they sing the praises of... A higher of a higher being, or of a higher knowledge, or of uh, uh, a creation. Right, right, right. Uh, while you were saying that, I was thinking, I was listening, and I was thinking that it's not it's priest, but it's also um, it's it's priest, but it's also psychiatrists and psychologists and yeah. social workers and it's therapists and it's teachers and it's parents and it's grandparents and it's all those things. Where we, you know, there's an interesting thing. I just came back from our working with the Steppenwolf Theater Company, the school of Steppenwolf, for a mm -hmm. month. And uh, you've got people there like Kim Rubenstein and mm -hmm. uh, Alexandra Billings mm -hmm. and uh, Monica Payne. I don't know if you know Monica, mm -hmm. but Monica teaches Meisner and Alex teaches Alex and Kim teaches Kim. Yeah. But they are just shamans, but they're also spirit guides. And what they do is they go, I am here with you right now. I am here with you. But what's going to happen is you're going to need to get to that point where you are eager to feel and open to feel and open to feelings and eager to feelings, eager to go to the place that is the core of living your life, to be in that moment to, to realize this fear, that fear, that experience that I just had was fear. Oh, my God. It's something that I experienced. It's not who I am. Yeah. I am not scared. I have fear. Yes. That fear may be a, a holding on to whatever feelings that there are. Isn't that true? And our vulnerabilities, whichever, whatever they may be, whether it be uh, uh, anger or sadness or whatever it may be, are our strengths. Right. And the idea that we get to hold, we get to be aware of those things and yet not engage in them. Yeah. I mean, to, be, to engage in them in that for this moment, I'm going to engage in them, then I'm going to let it go. That's exactly right. Yes, right now I will allow myself to be insulted, um, murdered, and then I will get up from my deathbed and bite the hand that, uh, that murdered me, and afterwards I'll go out and have a beer with my friends. I, I think that's such a great example <laughs> that you gave, because one of the favorite things that you'd ever done was at Six Feet Under, where oh. you were murdered, and then you were able to talk, and it was like, ah, oh, Jim, man, that was one of my favorite, that was one of my, I gotta tell you, even if I didn't know you, it, it's up there with some of my favorite television episodes ever. Okay. There's that, and there's, I don't know if you ever watched The X-Files, did you? I never did. Uh, Peter Boyle was on The X-Files. Oh. And there was an episode that he had where he was clairvoyant in a way that he could see somebody's death or something like that. And it was a, it was a, um, it was a master class in acting. That's exactly what it was. Wow. And for you, there's, there's something about your, and it's always been this way, there's, the, you talk about the jowls, you know, <laughs> your jowls, but there's a calmness that you have, and there's a depth that you have that within that calmness when you're watching you on stage. And that only comes from someone, I would imagine, that comes from somebody who is enjoying what they're doing, present to the experience, excited to feel those feelings, and just, it, it, I, I, and it is inspiring. I find you to be very inspiring. Oh, thank you, Dave. That's very, very kind. I, and very I, nice. I remember seeing you at The Organic upstairs in that show that Noel oh, did. M. M. M and the I, Murderer. It was the adaptation of uh, Fritz Lang's movie. Yeah. And I remember seeing you. That might have been the first time that I saw you perform. And I was just, I, it was just, it was such a Chicago performance in that it was underplayed. Huh. 
I don't know if you, if you feel that way about Chicago. Well, there's something I think, about I, that. I do think there's so. Boy, I love Chicago. I so miss it. Me too. And and there was such a, a, a really a great ability to jump, go even higher on on the next level of diving board to take chances. There were so many chances taken, and right. that show was barely lit. Right. Uh, and and it was so well attended too. These you know, people came. Why do I remember? Did you use street lights? Why do I remember that's a window? Like it was nighttime, but you didn't have the windows covered. Is that yes, what I the, the windows were covered with shades. Right. And that was it until the climax when we're all looking for the murderer, and all of a sudden we uncover the window, we open the window, and we're yelling out to the street. To, to Clark Street. That's right, to Clark Street. Right. <laughs> Where at some point and sometimes people would stop and talk back. Right. In the middle of our show. Right. Looking for the murderer. Right. And people either talk back or say, you know, whatever, uh, complaining about the Cubs after the game, whatever right. it may be. Because they were very close to me. Yes, right. right there. And, uh, it was rather astonishing. That was sort of a, a show that crossed over the footlights. And and when you're when you're able to do a show like that, and certainly I, working with, uh, do you know Kim? You know what I'm talking about. Oh Kim? sure, Kim. Yeah, she directed me in uh, a Hell Camp. She did. She did. I was one of the replacements for uh, the driver. Awesome. Yeah. In Chicago. In Chicago. What theater? Uh, well, it was at the Ivanhoe at the time. Oh Jesus! Remember the Hellcat? Yeah, 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 yeah. That I directed that. Years. I directed Lauren Lazarine as oh. the cab driver here, uh, for Zoo District. Oh yeah. Which is another group that that just seems to have that. Is that John Callum? What's that? John Callum? Yeah, yeah Callum sure. was in it. Yeah, Callum. Yeah, Callum. Callum. Ah, uh, Callum. Yeah. Who's now over at? Um, he teaches Tim high Robbins. School. That's oh he's he is he's with the Robbins group. He was with Tim, he was with Tim Robbins group oh, over there. And all the, but there's so many Chicago people, and there's that Chicago sense. Oh, so working with Kim. Yes. So Kim did this thing. We did, um, we did cuttings, clippings, and collages from Sam Shepard, uh. and uh, up in up in uh, Monterey, and mm. and her vision was just so fractured. It was just so awesomely fractured, where she's able to look at something, but and look at something and say, I, I see this piece going with that piece, and I see that piece going with that piece, and she threw this lovely script together. But before she can do that. She has to know that she's got the tools. The tools being the actors that are working with it. The tools that are uh, the tools that will be able to go. I am going to whatever the fuck you say, Kim. I'm going to jump. If you tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. But everybody's got to remove the ego oh, and yes. to say that this is not about me. Right. Well, I'm actually doing something now. I'm doing a three-person version of Richard II with Jessica Krasinski. Mm. And it is <clears throat> pushing the boundaries of the meaning of Richard II to a psychological, almost Beckett-like vision. And Where is it? At uh, Boston Court in Pasadena. Uh -huh. And I'm very excited to be saying these beautiful, gorgeous words. I think it's Shakespeare's most beautiful play. Uh -huh. um, but boy, we are right on, we just started rehearsal a couple of nights ago, so this is exactly what you're talking about. And the energy of coming into a space and not knowing where you're going to end up, not knowing where the water is at the pool, you know, not you don't know where you're diving oh. to, and you are throwing yourself off a cliff. Right. It's a huge task and a, and a huge leap of faith. It's interesting that, that like the the words that you're using, you know, the the leap and uh, and you not knowing where the water is mm -hmm. and all that that requires. 
I, I might have mentioned good. it before in, in a podcast, the idea of Peter Pan mm-hmm. and how Peter Pan lives in Neverland. But he doesn't live in Neverland. He doesn't live in the land of never. He lives in the land of never landing. Oh, sweet. That's the way that I look at Very it. Very sweet. Yes. And so that's why he always wanted to fly. Yes. And that's why he want, always wanted to be a kid. Yeah. And, and yes. that's what we do, yeah. because we know that there is no landing. Yes. There is just floating. And I don't say floating like not making a decision. I mean, we float in that we go, I'm, I'm not going to be hurt. Yes, yes, and, and trusting that not landing is okay, too. Right. And being living in question, living in the Jungian consciousness of water. Right. Uh, uh, I, I love... That. And that's our education in some way. Right. Ours, our lives are liberal arts education. I mean, we did, sure, we went to school for that. We went to school to learn our craft, and every day we learn that as well. But I mean, for a long time, in, in the beginning of my years, when I was 22, I went into New York to try and do musicals. Mm-hmm. And I was so bored. Bored because I didn't know my craft. Right. I didn't have the tools. Right. Uh, so I went back to school to figure that out, and at Rutgers Mason Grove School of the Arts, and I just uh, that's where I learned my learned where I retrieved my wrench and my screwdriver. Right. And you retrieved it, meaning it's always been there. It's always been there. See, that's awesome. Really, because I think all of us have the instincts to know that we're playing an action. Right. To know that we're doing something in a scene. Right. The question is, how inventive can you be with words and suggestions to yourself to really uh, turn an action into an invention? Absolutely. Which is uh, really our tools. Right. And of course, when I left school, my, my teacher, Bill Esper, said, well, you know, give it 10 years before you... I said, 10 years? 10 years before you what? Before you really understand it. Um, <laughs> and I was Meisner. This was Meisner. Right. And I, he was actually wrong because I was 15. <laughs> it's about 15 years before I really understood it. Right. So, and, and we can, that's, and all the other stuff. I mean, the reading history, uh, books on uh, the 12th century, and right. 14th century, right. and the 18th century, right. and Napoleon, and, and the 50s, and the 30s, right. and the 20s, all of that. And uh, le- listening to music and understanding music and understand movements and symphonies, etc. That is all our life. Right. And the, I have to say the other part of it that really surprised me and really surprised me as a human being. And I always thought in my 20s and 30s, if I could just get out of this relationship, I'll still be an actor. If I can just what, get... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah right, 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 woman, right, 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 yeah, right. Just get away, not get too taken by this woman, I'll still be an actor. If I, get, if I can just get out of this relationship, I'll still be an actor. And then I was confronted with my father's death, which then... When made, was that? 93. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, why am I doing this acting thing? What is? What am I doing this for? Right. What is it all for? Mm-hmm. And truly, that's when I started getting the, some pretty. That's when I did Steve Martin's Picasso for the Panagia. Where did you do that? Was that Steppenwolf? At Steppenwolf. Yeah. With uh, with Dell. Right. He and I were hired at the same day, both brought on at the same time, and we did that show, and then went on to Briar Street to do it six months later. And I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? That's when I started doing it, and I started playing. 
I was really sort of playing. And then I fell in love. With? With uh, Cindy Campanera's neighbor, uh, Mimi Devins. That Cindy, that she was Cindy's neighbor. Oldest oh, friends. Awesome. Those two are oldest friends. Awesome, 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 awesome. And I, uh, I realized, oh wow. And her mother was dying at the same time. And then I, I'm going to make a long story short here. I want to do it's it. Too late. We got engaged in two weeks. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We had had a date five years before, but it was really the timing was not right. Um, wow! So, so wow! We got married and we got engaged in '94. We got married in '95. We had a child in '96. We bought a house in '97. We had another child in '98. We moved here in '99, when the youngest was six weeks old. Right. That was a mad rush. So you didn't move out here till '99. '99, January of '99. Really? Yeah. Oh, because you were doing a lot of theater. That's why. I was doing a lot of theater right. in Chicago. Right. Of course, I did right. a lot. Whatever film or TV came right. into Chicago, I was doing that too. You did Babe and I the did, Babe. I the did babe. babe. I did Flatliners. I did right. Running Scared with uh, Billy Crystal's first movie. Right. Oh, uh, Running Scared. Yeah, that Running did Scared. Did you the do one. The Untouchables? The I TV did, show. I did do The Untouchables. Uh-huh. Uh, I love that. That was yeah. really fun. I was in the pilot. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did the pilot. I was killed in the same Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh. Right. Yes. What was the other guy's name? What was Elliot Ness? Amandis. Yeah. Ten, Tom, Tom Amandis. Tom Amandis. Tom Amandis. Tom Amandis. Yep. Um, yeah. But boy, oh boy, like all that, like to open yourself, to crack yourself open yes. in that way, but to also have the patience with yourself to know that you need to have the patience with yourself to know that you need to have the patience with yourself to know. Yes. Like all that stuff that yes. you were going through. Yes. And, and for you, you didn't take off the days that Bill Andres or whatever his name, what's his name? Bill Esper? Yeah, Esper. <laughs> Bill Esper, who's <laughs> close. <laughs> but Bill Esper. Um, you didn't count off the days like, all right, it's been five years and two months. You just went, yeah. you just went. Oh, because yeah, 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 just went. I mean, just had to. You, you just do what you do. Right. You get a show. It's like, really, the first time you do theater, when it's, uh, um, oh, backing up, backing right. up. Yeah, the, the school is backing up across the street. Yeah, so the, uh, I mean, you used to, it's like when you first started doing theater and community theater. Right. I'm doing a show, I'm doing a show, I'm doing a show, I'm doing a show. <laughs> right. That's what we're doing a show. Right. Doing a we're show. doing a show. That's what we're but doing. It's, it's so interesting to say we're Maybe. doing a show, because doing a show, you're in the middle of doing a show. You're, you're, oh. you're, and the, the reason I'm saying that is it's constantly being in process. That's, that's absolutely right. Yes, and, and here in some way, I, I, I think it's, a, it's how I've, I've always felt. When I'm doing a role, I have somehow landed. And then I can sort of spin uh, uh, within myself to start of sort of create and create a little uh, uh, tornado within myself and be in that one place and let me fill this space. And then the show is over and then I have to come down to earth again and let that spin out of away from the walls and be out the world and let it just dissipate like right. a tornado will when it when it so the winds the come by that's right that's right and I that I'm taken away that way right I'm taken away and that's always the hardest thing for me and that's is the conduct yes being out of work or away from work away right. from a character away from a play the writer's parameters the the, the to be in communion with the writer to me is to be in communion with the writer held, the words the word right held right held like that right so right. we as wild animals are held by the playwright and then we go off and we are let loose without a playwright right. this is where we have all of this liberal arts questions it's from been, top to bottom. Yeah, it's really interesting also to be for me to be so um, um, in, 
immersed, immersed, I'm going to say that, in improvisation. Mm -hmm. Because the words are my words. And, the, and uh, the words are my words, and the universe is, it, there is no ending. Yes. There is no downtime. Yes. And especially when I'm teaching, uh, or directing, or performing, there is no downtime. I'm yes. constantly, but it's that liberal arts stuff that you're talking about, where you go, okay, I'm going to listen to KUSC, the classical radio station, and then I'm going to listen to Eric Dolphy, and then I'm going to read this book on Al Capone, and now I'm going to read this book on Sam Shepard. And what's missing in all these things? As an actor, is I'm not reading Shirtlift's book anymore. <laughs> you know, and I'm not reading right. Sanford Meisner's book anymore. Right. And because that's never been part of what it is that I've ever done. Uh, really? But, no. You know, I still read that stuff. Uh huh. I do, and I'm reading plays a lot too. Mm -hmm. So I, that, that's different. That's sort of. It is a, that's true. It is a little different than how-to books. Right. But you know, I, I'm I'm sort of encouraged and inspired by my wife, who is actually a therapist, uh -huh. and also right now a fourth-grade teacher. Oh. She teaches at a Waldorf school, so she, she started. Oh, you guys were into Waldorf. You were into yes, I remember that's that. That's right. Mm -hmm. In Waldorf school, the first-grade teacher takes the class all the way through eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Now, that's 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 the ideal situation, uh -huh. and that means that the teacher never teaches anything twice. Right wild when you think about it. Right, I know. I mean, as, as for me, I have a drop-in class and I find myself, like, recycling things. Yes, of course. But it's also being inspired by this thing. But anyway, keep going. Yes, so yes. I'm inspired by her, who right. really, the only thing she reads are nonfiction about uh, her therapeutic work. Uh, she's a licensed clinical social worker's work. Uh -huh. Her teaching work. Her uh -huh. Waldorf system work. Look at that, right? This, and parenting. When we were, when we had the little ones. When they were little ones. When they were little ones, that's right. right. And uh, that parenting thing, I was, I was going to say this before, but has always been such a difficult thing for me. To me, that's a liberal arts education. Uh -huh. to, to be able to, and I'm very proud of my daughters. Yeah. I, 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 I'm astonished at what my wife and I have done, but, but I, I don't take as much credit as I give credit to my wife mm -hmm. and my children. Right. Because my children are children, uh, on, on the whole, are innately forgiving. <laughs> right, 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 Thank right. Thank God. Oh, isn't that awesome? There's, <laughs> Thank God. They are innately forgiving because there's, there's faith. There they is, have faith. Well, this is the knowledge that we allow them to forgive us. We allow them to forgive us. Yes. We, because we admit our fault. If we do. If we do. And that's and a huge part of it. Yes. Is that idea of surrender to the truth in that moment. Because when you struggle with it, then you're bullshitting. And when you're bullshitting, then you're, you're going against the grain of what the universe has for us. That's and, right. And Mike Bernard Beckwith, I don't know if you do, um, if, you, if you know the Agape folks over there. Oh, sure. Yeah. We've gone there a few times. Yeah. I love it, and uh, I'm going there this weekend. It's been a long time, but um, he says, he had this great quote. He said, the universe is conspiring in favor of you, and you've got to remember that. That's how come you're still here, yes. doing whatever the fuck it is that you're doing right now, and yes. if you want to look at it and go, okay, you know, why, God, why are you against me? It's like, nobody's against you. Yes. No one. Yes. Yeah, I had a, a therapist years ago who said, the world is yours, take it. 
Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he said it or he stole it from somebody, but you know. Oh, yeah. He's doing best. It, it's a different way of saying exactly what you said. Right. Yours is, uh, you're, you, the Ngafi people, it, it seems like a more generous and open way right. to live as opposed to taking. I love that Spence Turkle says, uh, was it, take it easy, but take it. I don't yeah. remember that. <laughs> take it easy, but take it. Did oh. you do a show? Pardon? Did you do his show? No, I never did a show, but I've read every single book that he's done. Yeah. He's got this book. He got a book, and I, I love this title of this book, uh, Hope Dies Last. Oh, I love it. Uh, do you know that book? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, you know, I know his, uh, I did his show once. Oh, which show was that? Uh, his radio show. Oh, you did his radio I show? His radio I thought show. you meant the show, like, like working oh, or no, something no, like no, that. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you did, did his, you radio his radio show? show? No, I never did oh, yeah, this radio yeah. show. When I was doing Huey in, in 88, uh -huh. Eugene O'Neill's play. Who did you do it with? I did it with myself. We cut out the night clerk. You did? did. I saw it at the at the taper with um, a young actor, Al Pacino. Oh, yes. Yes, Al Pacino. Yes, I've heard of him. I don't know what he's doing right now. Yeah. yeah. He's Ooh, good. Hi. He's good. Yes. Anyway, so you're talking, but you talk yes. to studs. Turkle. I did. I did the stud show, but I did the show, and all of my friends who saw it, and I have a friend who's a very good Who saw it or heard it? Who heard it, right. sorry. Uh -huh. And a friend who saw it, because she, Sid Lewis, was his uh, uh, transcriber. Uh -huh. She transcribed everything from, from probably 79 on until his death. Oh my God, oh my yeah. God, oh so my God. So Hope Guys Last, she worked on that. She uh -huh. worked on all of those, those books. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, I did Stud's show, and he really had an agenda. So he was playing uh, uh, um, uh, recordings of old actors who had, who had done O'Neill and different things like that. And basically, I did some of Huey and talked to him a little bit. But when I got off the radio show and walked downstairs out of the high rise where we were doing it, they said, oh, you got studded. <laughs> and indeed, he, he overwhelmed me. It's interesting because his young there's a there's a there's a I think a six CD set that I have oh. of of his radio shows. And if you listen at the beginning, he is so in service of somebody. And if you listen at the end, there's almost a bullying quality to what it is that he's been that he does. Yeah. But I love I, I when I think about this podcast, I'm very inspired by by oh, him. Jesus. Yeah, because he just. He just knew it, and he's been around. And that fucker was around in Chicago. Uh, he is Chicago. He, he was really, Chicago. He really was. Yeah. Growing up at the Grand and Wells, yes, right, right there at the at the that's hotel right. over there that he that's lived right. in. I I've always been a huge fan of that. Me too. And it's that liberal. It goes back to the fucking liberal arts thing, Jim. Right. That right. idea, like he had people on. I mean, the people that he talked to, the conversations that oh, he had. Just never, astonishing. never owned a car. No. Would take the bus, yeah. would sit and talk to people, mm -hmm. but he was always, he knew how to ask questions. He was curious. He really and was. to be in this world right now and to not be curious. Oh. And what, I think it was on your Facebook page where you were saying, where you were, you know, ranting. You, were, you were ranting, which is what I do as well. You know, it's like, like you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get really, really angry. I'm gonna drive to you, to a, to a <laughs> desert in Utah and scream at people <laughs> who aren't there. But it, and this is what you had. Was uh, the fate you were saying um, Fox is lying to you? Oh, yes. You know that idea. Of, you are being lied to. How do you? Know? You're being lied yes. to. You're being lied to. And um, and 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 those people aren't curious. Yeah. It seems that they do need answers. I think you're right. And I I, I sometimes do rant on that Facebook thing, that FB thing. 
I just have so many different feelings about it. I know that there are, I have all sorts of friends on that, you know, friends in my hometown in Jersey, and friends in Chicago, who are mostly understanding and obviously lefties like me. Right. Um, but people I grew up with, family members who are not lefties like me. Right. I sort of became a lefty with all of my hippie friends in Chicago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. That's where I grew up. Right. That's where I learned about When the did world. you move to Chicago from Jersey? 83. And I was there for 16 years. So when you moved in 83, that's when uh, that's when Steppenwolf was still at the space on Halstead? On Halstead, which, which is where I had my theater space across the street. Which is at the bar? That's right, across the, next to the bar. Next to the bar. Yeah, that's what right. was that? The, the, the Gaslight. The Gaslight, right. right. And what was the bar? Uh, the, the Gaslight Bar. The Gaslight Bar. And right. you were in the Gaslight Theater? The and Gaslight? I was in, in Lois Hall right. Studio, right. Actors Repertory Company. Yeah. And a couple of years later, in 85 or 86, I don't remember, it was uh, uh, Chicago Actors Project. Right. Which was mine until 91. Um, which is now a sports bar. Right. Of course it is. Sure. Of course it is. But yes, 83. 83 was a sort of a, the beginning, you know, beginning of Reagan's policies taking over. Right. And... Uh, I was unaware of that because I was so into what I was doing. I was teaching at the time, teaching. I used to work right after college. Mm -hmm. Graduated in 83, went there to teach in 83. Went to Chicago to teach. That, that's right. Uh -huh. And um, for Lois Hall. Uh -huh. And I, if I want, that's all. I'm, actually, I'm doing a play now. Uh, as I said, Richard II, Richard II was Emily Beck. Her father is Bernie Beck. A teacher, professor at Northwestern, who's retired now. Who I did a play. I did only kidding with him. Wow. So he he was an actor in Chicago for years, for years. Right. So. And you um, can make a living. That's right. He made a living. He was also quoted in the New York Times uh, often because his sociological studies in uh, Northwestern. But uh, anyway. Um, I was incredibly passionate about my acting. Mm -hmm. I, I had not, because I had nothing else. I had no personal life. I had no family. I had no children. I had no other uh, uh, responsibilities. So you moved, you moved to Chicago by yourself? By myself, uh -huh. yeah. And did you know anybody in Chicago? No one. Look at that. Right there. That's... I'm, 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 listen, a lot of my students are going, I'm, I'm moving. I'm like, right, where are you going to move? Do it. Do it. Do it. Because you want to. But keep going. Yeah. So 83. So 83, 83 was the beginning of all that. So I was really into the theater for truly until 1987 when I was about to do a show. And I was teaching, teaching, and I loved the idea of acting. I did a couple of shows, but really I was really focusing on teaching and managing the th school that I had uh, uh, and theater space. And then I got involved with Bob Meyer, who's an artist. Do you know Bob Meyer? I don't know, I think so. I think you would know him. Mm -hmm. I would venture to say you may have some of his postcards <laughs> on your walls. Uh -huh. but he used to do the postcards for the Gar St. Lazar players. Oh, yes, in indeed. Chicago. I know exactly what you're talking about. I know and exactly Bob what you're Bob was the director, uh -huh. the artist behind that. And the Gar St. Lazar was a bar. Oh, yeah. And he did the oh, shows Gar in the back. I've seen shows there. That's right. So I got involved with him, and all of a sudden, whoa, him and all his friends, Steve Grossman. And, I mean, these guys were were just incredible. In what way? Oh, hot. Well, there's sort of an understanding. There was an ethical and moral foundation for the work. Mm -hmm. And there was an understanding of politics right. that I have had sort of ignored. I mean, obviously, we both grew up in you know, the time where presidents 
resigned uh, out of shame. Right. And then they were pardoned. Right. So we were sort of over that. Oh. We? It was just sort of sickening. But then... It was gross. Yes, it was rather gross. And I was, you know, sure, Jimmy Carter, I didn't really, I wasn't a lefty at the time, so Jimmy Carter seemed to me at the time to be impotent. Mm -hmm. Partly mm -hmm. because he was shown to be that way by the right. Right, exactly. And I... I have come from absolute ignorance, and my parents, had they, if they were still alive, would be the first to tell you that. Mm -hmm. I am the third. So, um, my brother might tell you that the same thing. So, uh, and I, I have sort of evolved, and yes, I was reading the New York Times, but I was reading the art section the New right. York Times. Right. I didn't read the business section. Right. I didn't read the, first, the, the front of it. I didn't even read the opinion pages. Right. Now the first thing I read is the opinion pages, then I go to the, the, race, the rest of the first section, then I go to the business section, Ugh. and really the entertainment section is last because the business section is the most entertaining of all sections now because that's where you have the graft and, and the murders. And, right. I mean, people are being tortured in that section. Right, right. For, economically. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Well, like, you look at shows that, I look at shows, you know, like, look in the business section. The show, the first show that I go to when I think about that is Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Like, going to the business section right there. Because right. all of it is business. American Buffalo. Business. Totally. Totally. All of it fucking business. That's right. I just did Glenberry in Massachusetts. I saw that. That's right. I saw that. And I'll tell you, I, I, listen, I've read his plays, and I never did any other play of his, and was transformed by that. Uh -huh. by, uh -huh. Transformed by doing that. Right. And have a different understanding of the American way of life, having done it. But it is a cold, ugly world, he writes. Absolutely. And he's turned... He I don't know if you know that politically. Now. Absolutely, very he's conservative. Total writing, yes. and, and 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 I look at all of that, and I because I'm all the students that I dealt with, uh, we, uh, just now, uh, forty-seven, yes, forty-eight yeah. at, at Steppenwolf in, in uh, the Cal State University. Yes, these these are passionate young actors. This is what they're lacking. Yes, that curiosity. Because I will come in and I will go for class. I would go. Oh, look, I got to tell you. Are you guys aware of what's going on in Cairo right now? Yeah. Are you realizing that Trayvon Martin, da da da, da yeah. are you realizing what's going on, that it's still going on in Syria? And they're all looking at me and I'm like, nobody, nothing, nothing, hmm. not a movement, nothing, really nothing. And that's okay. Because I, I grew up not, I grew up knowing. Yes. I grew up knowing. My folks were in the... Uh, they were political already. They were political. Yes. You know, my, my mom and dad were the first, like, in the first class at the Old Town School of Folk Music. Oh, geez. Literally yes, the first class there. Like, they, they knew studs, like, in that way. They were yes. friends of friends of studs, and they hung out... Fred and Holstein and... Exactly. Right, yes. right, right, right. Like, musicians. Well, my, my folks knew Bob Gibson and yes, Hamilton Camp. God, they yes. knew those people. Steve but all Goodman. of that... What's that? Steve Goodman. Steve, uh, Steve Goodman. Jesus yeah. Christ. But yeah. there was also a time there where Steve Goodman and John Prine were, yes. were talking politics and singing politics. And, and, yes. and now you've got, and granted, the toothpaste is out of the tube, and there's not fucking anything you can do about it. Yes. But the political songsters are gone. Yeah. Is that right? I believe they're gone. I don't know. You know Maybe they're not. Springsteen writes, he, right. he writes some good stuff. But Springsteen I mean, might as well guys. be Pete Seeger. And nobody's yeah. listening to that guy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, you're partly right. You're partly right. And even I got a lot of righties out in New Jersey who who only listen to his music, don't listen to his politics. No, of course. 
um, but he was sort of he, was, he did he did t- music, he did time for not naming names. Oh, who? Pete Seeger. Oh, of course. Oh, you're talking about? No, I'm talking you're about Springsteen. Springsteen. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Born in the USA. They're going, yes, yeah. My Born God. in the USA. Oh, my God. Right? They, they, come couldn't on, be more man. proud. Right. Who can be more, more proud, right? Are you really listening to the words? Yes. Are you listening to the words? What's the rest of the story? Right, exactly. But you also look at the starkness of an album like Nebraska. Yeah. And, and the stories that are going on in there. And that uh, Pete Seeger album that he put out. Right. I forget the name of it. Uh, right, just, just recently, That's right? right? Within the past right. three or four or five years. But Wrecking Ball. Wrecking Ball. There's an ball. album called Wrecking Ball. Wrecking Ball. Whoa. Right. Let's look at that. Wonder why. Neil Young. Neil Young? Yeah. Neil boy, Young. I have to tell you, those guys, the four of them, the three of them, and then the four of them, were inspirations to me. Not in the 70s. I mean, right. I loved their music. I loved their harmonies. I loved them. Right. Still but you were the same guys in Jersey who are listening to Springsteen in that that's, same way. That's exactly right. That's exactly They hear the harmonies, they hear that, but they're not right. listening to the words. And no. I wasn't listening Teach to the words. Teach your children well. Right, right, oh right. God. It's been a long time, Con. Oh, it's been a long time. Those guys, I mean, how I long for those guys in the aughts. Right. From 2000 to 2008. Right. God, where is the fire? I, but I also believe that shit is fucked up so that we can use it. You're and if right. everything, Jim, went well, how, what kind of life would that be? Well, as they say, may you live in interesting times. Exactly. That's right. Uh, the Irish are saying that. That's the Irish phrase, right? Is it? I don't know. I think it is. May you live in interesting times. either Irish or Chinese. It's one or the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Old Chinese. <laughs> uh, yes. But I, I look at all those things. And also growing up in Chicago and knowing that in 1968, and mentioned it on the podcast before. I remember I was in fourth grade. Fourth grade? I was in fourth grade in 68, and Abby Hoffman was talking about dosing the water supply. Yes. You know, putting LSD in the Chicago water supply. And I went to my dad going, what? What? What's what does gonna that mean? What's going to happen? Yes. You know, you know, cut to 10 years later. I go, like, cool. But <laughs> at that point, I'm like, well, dosing the water supply. My dad's like, it's a circus, and this guy is an actor, and nothing's going to happen. Oh. You're an old man. Oh my God, man! Wow. But we were always curious, and and that curiosity has never left me. Mm. Yeah, because well, it's going to help you. It's going to help you as a human being, and it's going to help you in theater as yeah, well. Totally, it, everything works for us in theater. We're very lucky that way to be doing this, to have this exercise that we do, this craft that we do, because there is nothing that you turn off. You know, you have choices in real life. You can pick up a gun and go shoot at some, uh, you know, government building somewhere. Sure, you can do that. Right. But we have the theater. <laughs> right. We right. Have the theater. Right. And that is a gift. Right. It is. Because it's a catharsis. Yeah, it's a catharsis. And it's also yeah. some. I find that Jill. You know Jill Soloway, right? Uh, no. I thought Jill. Who? She might have. She was an executive producer on um, on Six Feet Under. Oh, do you know who wrote your episode? Uh, Michael Quest directed it. Did jeez, uh, I don't know who wrote my episode. Jill was. Oh, Jill Soloway. Sure, I do know. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. So Jill I was. I was. I was talking to Jill, and she was saying, "I, I am a conduit for this spirit. I am not the one that comes up with it." I am merely the conduit. So when you consider yourself, when you consider that idea, and I really love that idea of being the conduit that, that it goes through us, yes. then 
Everything that goes through us matters. Everything that goes through us is father. Everything that goes through us is is is, is inspiring. So if we want to go, okay, you know what? I'm gonna live in a I'm gonna live in, in a pillow apartment where there's just pillow and soft things, or I'm gonna live in this place, and I'm gonna go. Oh, what could happen? What could happen? That's right. And well, yeah. my wife, uh, when I when we first started getting together, uh, you know, of course. We got engaged, as I said, in two weeks, and then we had a year to get used to living with each other, which, of course, is a, a pressure on anyone. Right. You know, if you have to live with a new TV, you got to get used to that, too. Right. But she spoke. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I sat, I think we had often conversations, very deep and very loud, and sometimes quiet. And I said to her that I really feel that I want to invite the devil to my table. Right. I don't want to leave it outside. I don't want to, of course, you have to change that just a little bit when you have little ears in the house. You gotta, you know, use your words. And, right. and you can't talk about everything, God knows. At least that's the way we did it. Mm -hmm. But that's really what you're talking about. You gotta let the devil in. Let's sit down with the devil in our lives and see how deep we can go. The first book I ever read, and I think this is true for a lot of artists, was a biography of Hitler. <laughs> I wanted to know, hey, what's up with this guy? I think the first book I read was a biography of Houdini. Oh, wow. Dave, so that's, that's nice. That's, but the same sort of thing where you're going, what is this spirit that drives this being? That's right. And, and there was evil in, in, in mine. Of course, there was magic involved in yours. But there was also madness, too. Yeah, there was a little madness, too, and a desperation when you dig into his life. With Absolutely. And those seances and... Right. And the darkness in his life. Right. But he was a brilliant guy, just a brilliant guy. Um, yeah, but, so, but looking, going back to the, the Hitler, to see that yeah. and to be intrigued, because growing up Jewish, you, uh, going to Hebrew school all the time, like every year, two or three times a year, well, I'd go every Sunday, two or three times a year, um, they would show us, you know, movies of the concentration camps. Oh, wow. How old were you? Uh, going on 13? 12. 13, 14, 15, all the way up through yeah. senior year of high school, yeah. and to go, you never forget, because you never forget. You know, here's the ticket with my father and my mother. My father was a, a, a German Jew. Mm -hmm. He wasn't born there, he was born in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. His parents spoke German. Um, my mother was an Irish Catholic. Mm -hmm. uh, when Just before he married my mother, he converted to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. He thought, and he, this was his thought, and this was, I think, prevalent in many ways for middle-class people in, on the East Coast and maybe all over the country, that um, Judaism isn't a race. It's just a choice. Okay. You know, that was his, and of course, that's, you know, a lot of people converted. I understand that. You know, they didn't want to be, the history of it was too dark and they didn't want any part of it anymore. Right. They didn't want any part of it anymore. What an interesting concept. Yeah. They didn't want any part of it anymore as if they could yes. not take any part of it. Right. And indeed, I was handed that. Right. Whether my father, as I say they, I say they, at least for my father. This is my understanding of my father. His mother died very early, so he never got over that. And I was probably... Uh, quite distracted by that mm -hmm. for his whole life. She was murdered when he was eight. Oh my God. Long story. So anyway, I was left with a very strong Catholic mother and a father who was Jewish. I really <laughs> didn't care. 
So, I mean, it was, he didn't talk about it much, but he didn't go to church on Sundays. Right. But he converted. He converted. He converted usually to converts, marry my mother. But, but aren't usually... Uh, but my understanding is many converts will uh, will be the, the strongest of those because they've got whatever reason. Oh, yeah, zealots. Reasons. Zealots. They're, they're zealots or they're, they're going, well, this is the way that it should be, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm involved in this because I believe that and that, and I want to try that out. Yes. I want to try that out. But interesting. My father, I, I think was in love with my mother, but um, wasn't a deep thinker. He was, uh-huh. he, was, he was rather depressed. But anyway, I think that I was left, being the deep thinker of the family, mm. I, I was left with this, with this question. Zealot of, of mother, and she was a profound Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, she was afraid to her deathbed that I didn't believe in God, that I wouldn't go to where Catholics think they will go. Right. And anybody, and this is, Look at our times dealing with religion right now. Right. If you don't believe in my thing, you, you know, I'm like Groucho Marx. Anybody who wants me in their country club, I don't want to be a member. Right. I just right. don't. So I wasn't sold on it. I love the idea of Christ when I was taught about that mm-hmm. in grammar school. I think it's mm-hmm. a lovely story. This really terrific and romantic and fairy-like and dream-like and... Ideal Eden-esque. Ideal Eden-esque. And no devil at your table. None. No. So, the thing that was left out was, or that I was told, that if you aren't, if you don't believe in it, you're not going to go to heaven. Right. Okay. That leaves a huge chasm in my democratic soul. With a small d. With a small d, right. yes. With an all-inclusive humanist point of view. Right. What about those guys? Right. On the other side of the fence. If you want to talk about the camps. <laughs> right, right, right. What about those guys on the other side of the fence? That's not inclusive. That's not human. Well, what about your dad? That's exactly it. What about my dad? What about him? Does that mean he's going to go to hell? Right. What does that mean? Right. So it's such a... It's... And again, what, so what's what the basis of all that is this fear. Yes. It's and, just fear. And the, 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 yes, the fear, on the, uh, the fear that the one who believes isn't going. Right. If this structure, if this paradigm of mine is not true, or if everybody doesn't believe in it, then how can I believe in it? Right. That's a huge thing, too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it goes back to, please be curious. Please at least look for the answers, or at least think that there's going, that what it is that you're saying. If I find myself being so goddamn adamant about something, I get to stop myself and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I really that right? Exactly. (laughs) And do I have to be that right? That's right. And also, what is it that's causing me to feel that I have to be that right? Yes. Um, And here's another thing. What am I closing off from my life by living the life that I think that I'm right? Well, that's absolutely true. And isn't that right? I mean, that's why Frost was correct. And you have to live at the crossroads all the time Mm -hmm. and take the path, not less, less trodden, but take the path that is full of openness and questions where there are more forks in the road. If there is even a road. Yeah, well, I suppose we can. You know, to look yeah. at that in a way and go, yeah. I, I'm, I'm the creator of my own road. I'm yeah. the builder of my own road. And if I suddenly say, there is no road, because the road is, is, is an entity of my making, That's there is no road. Right. 
Right, there isn't. Like, if I want to have a nervous breakdown right now, I can. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I go, things are too tough right now, right. that's a road, and I get to a crossroad. I'm going, oh my God, right. I'm at a crossroad. That's or if I want to, what's that? Absolutely right. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And to live in question. And I think people are afraid of that. To sit with somebody who lives in question. <laughs> it's not easy. Right. Do I believe in evil? I, I think there are, are evil actions and people are drawn to evil deeds, but I don't know if there is evil. I, I, I understand. I think it lives in us, lives in all of us. That's why the first, choices. the first book you read was a book on Hitler. That's right. That's absolutely right. And yeah. also the parts that we play and all the plays that we're in is, is that, that pressure, tension, and dynamic of good and evil, ego and uh, free will, the idea that I'm going to try this or I shouldn't try this or people don't want me to try this and it's like, oh, the build up, not being part of a club that wants you to be a member of it right. and to go, fuck all that. Right. And The weekend before I proposed to my wife, I went to a wedding party and the night before the wedding was like a pre-dinner, you know, and I said to the father of the groom, I said, he was a religious guy from Pennsylvania, and I said, I'm an actor. And he said, oh, my, wow, what's that like? I said, well, it's like not having a religion and wiping my religious slate clean every time I'm finished with a show and then starting over. And he was aghast. He was scared to death. <laughs> he didn't know what to make of that. Why I brought up religion, I don't know. But I maybe I was talking a little bit beforehand and understood that this is the way to, to get to talk to him and right. to, to talk in his terms. Right, right, right. So I, I frightened him to death. And I said, yes, it's like uh, really focusing in and, and understanding a writer's religion and he, a, a system of beliefs within this world right. and then wiping the slate clean afterwards and not believing in anything between this show and the next one. Right. While learning and listening, and listening to the world, and understanding Cambodia, and understanding Dick Cheney, and understanding Jesus, and understanding Jung, and Buddha, and that homeless guy on the corner who I have a hard time looking at because he's, he makes me so sad. Right. Let's end there. Yeah, okay. Oh man, that was good. That's really good, brother. Well, it's nice to talk. Yeah. It's really good to talk and to be honored. Thank you so much. And Thank it's you. nice to honor. Yes, it is. It's an honor. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.